Well, it's an honor this morning to have Pastor Adam Thompson with us. Many of you know that Pastor Adam has been a close personal friend of mine. Uh, him and the ministry of Capital City Baptist Church in Austin, Texas, have been a great encouragement and example to this preacher. I've always appreciated uh, their ministry, strong missions and evangelism, outreach emphasis, and yet still a sweet spirit, strong personal convictions from the Scripture, and a Christ-like spirit. And that's very rare to find ministries that have that kind of a balance. And I appreciate the example of him and his ministry, and I'm glad that he can be here with us today. I want to encourage you for the next 30 to 45 minutes, however long that he preaches, uh, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're looking forward to later on today, I'd like to encourage you to uh, just... Uh, Pay close attention to what God would say to us here this morning. This could indeed be something that God has for you, a life-changing experience, answer a need that you have, something that you're struggling with in life. Don't let the devil distract you from what God wants to say through his man here this morning. Brother Adam, you come. Thank you, Brother Mitchell. Appreciate, again, the invitation Let's open our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12 this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, I want to express my gratitude for your presence here and invite you back next week when Brother Mitchell is preaching. God has blessed you with a great pastor. And I thought Brother Mitchell had given up basketball. But then I heard a rumor that he caught his sleeve on the rim when he was dunking Taurus rotator cuff. I hope I hope he knows now. He's way past the age to be on the basketball court dunking a basketball. But uh, glad to see him getting that over with and recovering. Second Samuel chapter twelve. This morning we'll read verses thirteen through sixteen. The Bible says, and David said unto Nathan. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for those that are here this morning. And Father, each one with a different need, each one this morning came desiring to hear from you. God, I pray you would remove me out of the way, empty me of self. The Father, your Holy Spirit would be in this place moving, speaking, working. And then, God, help each one of us be obedient to whatever he's trying to teach us individually. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning that are not saved, that today would be their day of salvation. Speak and work in Jesus' name. Amen. We all are very familiar with this text here. Sad, sad text. David, the greatest king in all of Israel's history, has committed not one sin, but several sins, devastating sins. We know of his sin with Bathsheba. He was supposed to be in the battle. He stayed home. He's out on his roof. He sees a woman bathing and commits adultery with her. And then to cover for his sin, 
Sin always takes us farther than we wanted to go, than we expected to go. I don't think David ever imagined in his mind in his lifetime committing murder, and that's what he does. He sends Bathsheba's husband Uriah to the forefront of the battle where he knows he'll be slain. And uh, Nathan the prophet has to confront him in his sin. Now, can you imagine as David sees himself, sees his wickedness, he pours out his heart before God, repents of his sin. But where does he go from here? Let me ask you this. Had 2 Samuel finished right here with this passage, chapter 12, what would we have imagined in our minds as being the end of the story? We would have all thought, this is it. This is the end. There's no way God can use this man again. The devastation that was going to take place. We understand the prophecy concerning his sin. And let me just preface this message by saying this morning, we're living in a day and age of distorted grace. Pastors are standing behind pulpits all across this nation and teaching that grace is a license to sin and that grace is permission to be a disgrace. That's not biblical grace and that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about our own lives here today and I I would imagine that there's no perfection in this building, no perfect person, no perfect marriage, no perfect man, woman, or child. So maybe this message would apply to each one of us this morning. But I want to preach on the subject, there's hope. There is hope. And let me say, number one, no matter what your sin, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what life you're living at the moment, there is hope for salvation and forgiveness and Christian, let me just say this. I know we all preach it. I know we all teach it. I know as any bit of Baptist, we believe in salvation by grace through faith without works. But I've come to the realization in 2019, many Baptists are living as practical Calvinists. As the day and age grows more and more evils, we look out there at our society, our world, our, our culture, and now we're seeing people that can't even identify what gender they are. And when we sit at a table, maybe we're served by one that's confused about whether they're a man or a woman and the piercings and the tattoos. And let me remind you, Christian, that that is a soul that Christ died for. That is a person that God loves. That is... Uh, someone that God's grace is extended to. Uh, and I fear as the days grow darker, as Christians, we become less evangelistic. And although we don't claim to be Calvinists, we're watching Calvinism once again take root in Bible-preaching churches. And while we we try to, to fend off the, the, the false doctrine that is Calvinism, I believe Baptists and Christians are living as practical Calvinist because we have a track in our pocket, but we don't pass it out because we say, I don't think God's going to reach that person. They're, they're probably too hardened to the gospel to respond. I find myself doing that in Austin, Texas. I look at the city and the wickedness of our city. and I think sometimes it's not the lack of desire to evangelize, but rather something in my mind that says, they most likely are not going to receive the gospel, so why extend the gospel? 
Are you with me this morning? God's grace, if you look back on your own life, if you'd consider where you were before salvation, you'd understand God's grace extends to the vilest of sinner. And if we were to write a book about getting into heaven, I don't think we would open up a door for someone that is an adulterer and a murderer to get in. But God did. God is still saving sinners no matter what their condition and David, surprisingly today, is in heaven. How many understand that? Because he received by grace, through faith, forgiveness of sins. Here's what he said when his child dies in verse 23. But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? He said, I, I can't bring this child back. But look what he says. I shall go to him but he shall not return to me. We know what he is saying. I can't bring this child back to life, but here's what I can do. I can rejoice because I know one day when I leave this earth, David says, I will be reunited with my child in heaven. Now, we know the dispensation. We know that he went to paradise. We understand that, but the point being is David knew he had the promise of heaven because he had received the forgiveness of sins. And let me speak first and foremost on a Sunday morning. Surely in a, in a congregation this size, there is someone here that's never been born again. And God is extending once again His grace to you. There's nothing more that God wants than your salvation, your life to be reconciled to Him, your sin to be forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. God says, I want to forgive it and give you a new future. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible has several confirmations. The fact that David died and went to heaven. Look what it says in verse 31 of Hebrews 11. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab Mentioned in God's hall of fame, Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the whore, Rahab the harlot in heaven. Did you know great starts with the harlot and works itself down from there? Isn't grace scandalous? I was in Mexico uh, a couple years ago preaching for one of our man that planted a church and the, the work's going well. And he said, Pastor, I started another church. I said, really? He said, you want to preach? I said, certainly. He said, Tuesday morning. I said, you have Tuesday morning services? He said, yes, we do. I knew he had something up his sleeve, didn't know what he had going on, but he drove me down to the prison. And in prison, he said, this is my second church. And he had literally, they had allowed him to bring in organs and hymn books. And he... <laughs> I mean, he had the whole service right there in prison, and we probably had 85 or 90 men, and I preached to them that that morning, and we had several respond, but I dealt with one of the young men, literally his whole body covered with tattoos, obviously a gang member, but having gone through the gospel, I said, would you like to be born again? He had heard the gospel repeatedly from Pastor Miguel in those prison services, and he said, uh, preacher, I need to stop you for a minute. He said, I need you to understand. He said, I am a drug dealer. And he said, I've done some bad things. And 
I've hurt some people. And he said, Preacher, I am in here because I have killed people. Now, I've never personally dealt with a murder. This was the first time in my life. He said, so let me just ask you something. You're inviting me to get saved, to trust Christ my Savior, to repent of my sin. He said, I'm willing to repent, but here's my question. Do you think God would really forgive me knowing what I've done? He said, you don't know what I've done, but God knows what I've done. Would God forgive me and give eternal life? He said, preacher, I'm about ready to be released. I don't even want to be released. I don't know what's going to happen. When He said, most likely, I'll be hunted down. I'll be killed. I'll be identified. I'd rather just stay put. But do you think God could forgive me of my sin? I said, he certainly, certainly would. He certainly will. He certainly desires that if you're willing to confess. Now, let, let me just preface this by saying, when we're talking about God's grace and mercy, do you understand that's all dependent upon a man's repentance? God's grace is extended to all. It's offered to all. But it can't be enjoyed until we repent of our sin. And that man knelt down on his knees and trusted Christ as his Savior that day. But it doesn't matter who you are. Did you understand that God is willing to extend salvation and forgiveness to every lost sinner that comes? I I can't imagine someone sitting in a church like this, someone sitting in a state like this where the gospel has been preached repeatedly. Certainly it's not the first time someone sitting here has ever heard the gospel. But God in his grace continues to extend mercy and forgiveness and salvation and grace. Boy, I would reach out and grab it this morning. No matter what your condition, but look what it says. What should I more say? The time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, and of David also. God's Hall of Fame. Murder and adultery. Because God's grace goes way beyond that. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. Last month, we had a young man that grew up in our church and Christian school. When I came to pastor the church, he was in high school, very hard, very hardened to the gospel. I tried to show him favoritism and love him and help him, but he obviously had no desire to hear the gospel. He had a root of bitterness, obviously, left church, went out to the world, and about, he'd become a police officer in a neighboring town, and about, uh, Two months ago, he started coming back to church, and on a Sunday morning, I could see the light of the gospel break through in that young man's heart. Did you realize that no one's beyond the the reach of God's grace? Here's David. Here's David. In his sin. Now look what the Bible says. Romans 4. Look what it says in verse 6. Even as David also described it, the blessedness of man. What is, what is it to be blessed? The blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. Look what it says. Those are beautiful words. Without works. 
no one in heaven ever got there because of the works David received by grace through faith, salvation, forgiveness of sins. Verse 7 saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered, covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Let me just say this before we move on. There is hope for you if you're here today, doesn't matter what your background is, what your sin is, what your past is, God once again is offering you forgiveness and eternal life. I would take it. I wouldn't wait another day. I would take it. But here's here's what I want to mention really this morning. Here's what I want to stay for a few minutes. No matter what your past failures, God wants to bless you and give you hope and a future. Go with me back to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 12, verse 23. I've come to realize in the Christian life that most Christians, it's not a lack of desire that keeps them from being involved but something that they have in their life where they feel incapable, unworthy. Now, if God would use David, how many of you, let's, let's just do a little survey. How many of you in here have committed both adultery and murder? Either no one wants to admit it or no one's done both. Some of you would say, maybe I've committed one of those sins. We don't want to know that. We just want to know. If you're on par with David. Now, if there are two sins that we'd consider abominable and disqualifying, wouldn't it be adultery and murder? Wouldn't we say with human logic, certainly this man could not be used on any level? Now, we understand sin comes with consequences. I like seeing people say, my, my life is wrapped up in, in getting the gospel out, and I love discipleship. But here's what I found in discipleship. You, you, you know, you reach people in, in, in this generation, everyone has a past, and you're trying to get them past a, a, a divorce or, or something that they're trying to overcome, or hurt or abuse or whatever it is that they're dealing with in their life. And all of that sin comes with consequence and is they begin to serve God, they realize that God's not, God's mercy doesn't eliminate all consequences. How many realize that? Now here's what God's mercy will do. It'll alleviate and give you grace through your consequence. But, uh, you know what, what uh, it won't do it. It won't always reconcile your marriage from the past. It won't always reconcile your children in the, and the problems there, but God will give you grace through that and he will alleviate some of the consequence. But I've watched people get saved in three or four years into the Christian life. They become discouraged because serving God is difficult. But then you add the difficulty of paying the consequence as well. Here's what we ought to do. Rejoice in the fact that God extends mercy in the midst of our consequence. Now, here's what, here's what Nathan told David. David, you're going to pay for having committed this, these sins. You're going to pay for it full. And he did pay. Amnon died. Absalom died. Tamar was raped. There, there were consequences, but here's what we find. God working through him and using him. And 
here's what I want to say this morning, congregation. How much more could the work of God do? How much more could the church of God do if everyone would understand the depths of God's grace in the fact that no matter what you have done in life, God still has a plan for you. God still has a future for you. God still has something. Well, pastor, you don't, you don't understand. I've, I've watched people because of something suffered in their youth and in, I'm not trying to minimize your pain or your suffering, but at some point, God wants us to turn that page. I've seen people 20 years, 30 years in their future still living and reliving pains of their youth from the sins of their youth. And sometimes it wasn't even guilt. It was committed. It was, it was harm done to them in their innocence, but they can't move on. And I don't say this flippantly or lightly. I say this to help you. God wants to help you write a new chapter. How many of you have ever read a book and you stayed on the same page for 30 days? That would make no sense at all. You've got to do this. Turn the page. And in life I've seen Christians, God's grace wants to help them Turn the page and turn the next page. And there are people that are still living in 2002 or 2008 or 2012. And God is trying to help you turn the page. And when you understand the grace of God, others often can't understand how you have the strength to turn the page. Look what David did, 2 Samuel 12. So here he is. He's fasting. He's praying for God to do a miracle. God does not intervene. In this case, he allows the baby to die. And the servants don't understand. Verse 21, what do they say? Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread And he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now that he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? He said, I'm going to, by the grace of God, turn the page. And Christian, I can't tell you how long I know everyone grieving and healing and all that is a different step and a different process. But God, there are too many people in churches that are not being used because of past sins and things that they can't move past. And the grace of God wants to help you overcome that and be used. There is hope. If there was hope for David, there's hope. No no case in here is hopeless. Now, here's the verse I like most in this chapter. Look what it says in verse 24. Immediately after the funeral, Immediately after David's reconciliation with God, David is still dealing with the pain. And look what this says. The Bible says, verse 24, And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went unto her, and he lay with her. She bare a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now, let, let me ask you this. Does this make any sense at all without grace in the equation? So God's going to raise up a future king over the kingdom and God's going to choose one of David's wives. He has many. 
Wouldn't Abigail be the likely to? Abigail was a godly, high character, loving woman without a bad past outside of her husband. Headache that he was. But wouldn't you have chosen Abigail to be the, the father of the next king? How many of you, all the wives of David, would have chosen the adulteress, Bathsheba? And God said, your next child is going to be the future king of Israel. That's the grace of God. Go with me to, to keep your finger here and go with me quickly to Matthew chapter 1. Oh, the scandalous grace of God. You know why we can't understand it? Because we don't forgive like God does. Our point of reference is our own forgiveness or the forgiveness of others. Look what it says in Matthew 1, verse 6, speaking of the lineage of Christ. And just begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. Now here's what God does. Why, why would he include this detail? He's reminding of, uh, of his grace. And he began Solomon of her that had been the wife. He didn't even mention her name. He just said the wife of another man. The wife of Uriah. You know what he's trying to do? He's not trying to bring up the past and beat us over the head with it. He's trying to bring up his grace and say, God can give hope for the future to any person despite what their past has been. And here's what God wants to do. God wants to bring healing to the hurt heart and the hurt soul. Go with me to back to 2 Samuel. Go to, go to 23. You see David healing. 2 Samuel 23. Let me get back there quickly. Look what it says in verse 1. David, now, let's, let's remember for a minute where David's at in his life. This is the end of his life. So David's already dealt with his own sin, and he's dealt with a son that raped one of his daughters. And then he's dealt with a son, Absalom, that killed the rapist, Amnon. He's dealt with Absalom rising up, seeking to take his throne. And all the sins of Absalom. He's dealt with a lot of pain and suffering and consequences, the death of this little baby. Now, don't you think that he should be on antidepressants or in a loony bin or in in a psychologist or psychiatrist's office, don't you think? Having dealt with everything that he's had to deal with over the course of his life. Now look what it says about David. 2 Samuel 23, 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed, the God of Jacob. And what's it say about David? This. How many of you have seen someone in their old age that's bitter and grumpy and angry and spiteful. And you visit them after about five minutes, you say, oh, gotta, gotta go. Looky there. Looks like a phone call. I don't have my phone on me, but it uh, looks like a phone call. My watch is, I don't have an Apple watch, but it acts like an Apple watch. It looks to me like someone's trying to get a hold of me. You don't want to be around that person. Now, 
does the aged person that has a smile and a sweet spirit, does that mean they live their life without pain and grief and sin and sorrow? No, simply they were willing to live their life based on the grace of God, turn the page and say, I still want God to do something with me and through me. And listen, it was after this sin that God allowed David to gather together. He didn't allow David to build the temple, but he allowed David to gather everything for the building of the temple, rearing the next king. There was there was much yet that God was going to use him to do. Now, Christians, here's, here's what I'm asking you this morning. Where are you at in your life? And what are you allowing as a pretext to keep from being used by God in His service? It's not your age. It's not your work. It's not your lack of talents or abilities. You know what it is? We look at ourselves and say, we're not worthy. And God says, this is about me anyways. It's not about you. Let my grace work through you and let's turn that page, move forward and let my grace do what you cannot do to accomplish what you cannot accomplish. Let me give you a visual illustration. We'll be done. I've seen people messed up lives, broken lives, and here's their excuse, Pastor. As much as you want to pour into me, I can't hold it. I'm a broken life. Pastor, don't waste time on me. Pastor, why bother? Pastor, you don't know my past. Pastor, you don't know what I've suffered. Pastor, you don't know what happened when I was 13. Pastor, you don't know what I did as a young Christian. Pastor, there are some things I can't tell you about. Pastor, in... There are people sitting here, you know, if you told your spouse, if you told your spouse everything about your life, she would leave you. So how can God forgive you? Now, you know what the grace of God is? That's Christ wrapping himself around you. There is a brokenness that you can't change, but grace can heal that. And when he wraps himself around you, guess what happens? You become a functional Christian through the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this this morning, Christian. What are you doing for the honor and the glory and the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you simply going through life saying, I have a past, I have some problems, I've been broken, I'm trying to turn the page? Or have you truly understood the depths and the riches of the grace of God? Do you understand that Paul wrote all those books of the Bible after committing murder? Do you understand that Peter preached Pentecost after denying the Lord Jesus Christ three times? Do you understand that every saint of God that we read about in the Bible with their imperfections got wrapped in the grace of God and through His forgiveness and mercy and grace, they became, now here's the New Testament word for it, phrase for it, more than 
How did Daniel, let me ask you this, how did Daniel, his family's destroyed. Now listen, we're not talking about modern day war. We're talking about with swords, them cutting the babies out of wombs and decapitating and dismembering. He had seen that with his own eyes. Yet went to live in that man's palace and functioned and served and overcame. And we see him as a hero. He became not just a conqueror, but he became more through the grace of God. And here's what we see in the life of David. A lot of imperfections. And we speak of him, but we forget the atrocities, the sin that he was forgiven of. Did not eliminate the consequence. It added mercy while paying the consequence. But in the midst of his consequence, what did he say? I'm going to allow the grace of God to enable me to minister in the future. And everyone that went to Solomon's temple and received a word from God had to look back at David and say, David, after his faults and failures, finance this great temple because he refused to sit down, lay down, stay down and say, I'm done. Christian, there's more hope today than there's ever been. When you consider the grace of God and the healing that he brings through his grace, the forgiveness. So let me ask you two questions and we'll pray. Number one, have you ever experienced that grace, the forgiveness of sins, salvation? Are you saved? Are you born again? God wants to extend his grace. And Christian, let me ask you this. What are you doing today? If you're not doing much as a Christian besides attending church, it's because you don't understand the grace of God. God's grace wants to work through your life, your inabilities, your past, your faults, your failures, and still do something with the remaining time and days that you have left on this earth to help someone else understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray today, God, first and foremost, for that person that might be here today that is unsaved. God, my heart breaks thinking someone might be here without you, without salvation, without knowing where they're going to spend eternity. And oh, God, I pray today you would draw them to salvation. Father, for that Christian that is not living in your grace, oh God, help them to understand you have a future for them. You have something you still want to do through them. But they're going to have to learn to operate and accept your grace. In Jesus' name. To remain seated, heads bowed, eyes closed, Christians praying. Pianist plays this invitation song like to give you an opportunity to respond to what God has spoke to your heart here this morning. The grace of God is greater than all of our sin. What all of us need to do, if you're not saved, we'd like to encourage you to respond to the gospel message. The gospel is so simple. You provide the sinner, God provided the Savior. Your salvation is not dependent upon your track record or your pedigree. Salvation is dependent upon what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. 
the Bible says that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins, to give us a home in heaven, to deliver us from an awful place called hell, a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. But when man chose sin over God, it means that we all needed a Savior. And praise the Lord, Jesus Christ came as the Lamb of God to make that sacrifice for us. If you've never been saved, we'd like to invite you to come. You can slip out of your seat. No one's looking around. We've got men and ladies that would be happy to open up the Word of God and lead you to Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian and you're paralyzed by something in your past, you've not yet found the ability to turn that page and move on and fulfill God's purpose for your life, let me encourage you, as Pastor Adam showed us from the Word of God, there is nothing that the grace of God cannot overcome. You say, I can't. Well, you know what? That's the the smartest thing that you've ever said. We can't, but He can. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God can forgive you. God can do things in your life that you never, ever would imagine or thought possible. If If you're just willing to get your eyes off of yourself, off of your past, and turn your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in the grace of God. We'd like to invite you to come here today during this invitation time. Let's stand to our feet, take a hymnal. Hymn number 208 is our invitation song. If God spoke to your heart, some have come. Some are praying. Some are responding. We'd like to invite you to come as well. You're among friends. You don't have to worry about what anybody in this place thinks of you. Get your eyes upon the Lord. Do what God is impressing upon your heart to do. You come as we sing.